gentlemen. What's going on? Yes. Oh, just got a little dust of snow, so I was out there uh, teaching the kids the fine art of uh, fastball, of my fastball. Oh, sounds pleasant from old dad. <laughs> Some moving targets, eh? Uh, they're they're very young. They're only like five years old, <laughs> so they don't move that fast. <laughs> Especially like my wife has them like bundled up like the fucking kid from uh from uh, Christmas Story. So even even harder for him to run. And of course, I packed the, the snowballs real tight. <clears throat> Still got it. As your child goes maximum flying. violence. <laughs> 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 I only wish it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the receiving end here. Uh, so bitter. <laughs> so bitter that we oh, didn't God. have bare-chested boys this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did get a little nostalgic there towards the like last 20 minutes there. I was hearing the, the cats roaring and the pan flutes playing. <laughs> Felt like home, huh? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sweet. This is the way my people coming out of the out of the like with their masks and shit, ready to kill. I love it. Get old Whitey. All right. Are you saying you've heard nothing about this case? No, sir, I haven't. If I did serve for jury duty, would I be safe? Perfectly safe. No one would know your name or where you live. Mom, are you nuts? You're really going to be on the Louis Buffano trial? I need a little excitement. All right, they just turned in the driveway. You better get out of there. Thank you, Eddie. Of the 12 men and women sitting on the jury, he chose her. Annie Laird? I thought it might be you. He knows everything about her. Die, you sucker! Okay, you got it. I got it! And as long as court is in session, he will be near. Annie, listen to me now. You're in danger, and your son is in danger. <laughs> You're kidding, right? What are we doing here? This is a very dangerous time for him. He could commit some childish error, and we could lose him. That quick. All you have to do is say two words, two precisely. Do you know what they are? Have you guessed yet? No. Not guilty. From the chilling bestseller, The Juror. Don't worry. I'll be with you every step of the way. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna borrow a bit from, uh, and this is to my wife's credit. She came up with this clip to add to the uh, the show because she said, "How long do I have to watch the dog? You know, what movies are you talking about on your podcast tomorrow?" And I said, "The uh, the juror." And she immediately went to that Thirty Rock bit. Are you aware of this, Jared? I don't know if I you know. watched. You know, I didn't watch too much. 30 it's Rock. it's far too white for Hyro to have ever watched. <laughs> you know it. So. <laughs> But there's even with Tracy Morgan in there. No, no, thanks. Yeah, it's not a Tracy Morgan bit. It's the uh, the blonde from Ally McBeal. 
don't know what her the actress's name is. Uh, Krakowski. There we go. Jane the new Hiro could be involved with it because uh, he. She's the one that uh, says her daddy's the best kisser from uh, National Lampoons when she was like six. I was going to go back to that's uh, how I remember uh, her discussion go. on Marcus oh. played. You missed yet another opportunity to promote one of our ventures when you had Jared on as a guest, and I think spent fifteen minutes talking about uh, what you would do with her if given the uh, yeah. the stage kiss, I guess. Uh, but her character yeah. in 30 Rock um, stars in many uh, very Tropic Thundery like mm. things, very obvious satire of uh, Hollywood staples as this failed TV actress trying to make the jump to, to films. I guess she has like a John Grisham-like thriller, mm. and it's called The Rural Juror. And the, <laughs> the gag is people trying to say that, <laughs> that phrase. Um, that's just me absolving myself of, uh, the problems I'm going to have saying the juror over and over without having to stop myself and think about it. Shut up so I can hear the title of this stupid movie. And coming up, I'll be talking to the girly show star, Jenna Maroney, about her upcoming project, The Royal Juror. That is not helpful. So on that note, fellas, do you have fun with this one? This, uh, this released on February 2nd, 1996. I don't think anything else came out that weekend. We had no choice in the matter at all. We had to talk to me more and Alec Baldwin in this uh, riveting thriller. Lies. You know, white squall was right there for us and the bare chested boys. Look, I, um, instead we get this long haired, fucking disgusting, annoying kid that wants to get himself killed talking about joseph gordon levitt because i <laughs> i assure you Little don juan himself anyone who has seen this film is going like long-haired alec baldwin doesn't have long hair what's he talking about you're going immediately to uh jgl there for your for your horrific attacks on children i guess you can as a father on brand apparently from the first couple of minutes of the podcast <laughs> yeah talking about uh throwing things at your children uh good old-fashioned fun in the snow um i'll admit that uh, i didn't remember the kid being in here, I didn't care. Uh, I did send you all a text saying, hey, I'm watching White Squall, and I made sure to take a picture of this, <laughs> the title of the film on my computer. And I looked again today at the very same computer that I'm uh, now looking at for IMDb tabs. I made it eight minutes. Eight minutes and 33 seconds. Hmm, personal record. <laughs> White Squall. Good. I don't even know if there was. there. Actually, there were two bare-chested boys already in the first eight, in eight minutes. minutes huh? <laughs> yeah you're selling yourself short man i mean you really gotta commit see if would you have finished it though if it was on the docket here like if it was uh i mean i still threw it out there to you all like if hiro is truly that passionate about it now would i talk about the movie for a half hour or would we just talk about you and how you feel about body hair on boys it would <coughs> probably go towards the latter but i would watch it you know i would i would try to make good on that promise I kept refreshing the uh I kept refreshing our share drive there hoping White Squall would <laughs> pop in but it never made it. Well, I had another uh idea for yet another podcast as I watched 8 minutes of 8 and a half minutes of White Squall and to be fair the uh rural juror that we're going to try to talk about today uh both films I assuming are classic uh in the industry term dump month material <laughs> where anything that comes out January February I think August and September are the, the, the sort of summer seasons of dump months. Uh, both of them, I think, fit. Certainly this film does in that I watched it. I'd already seen it when I cast my vote against White Squall. Less work for me. Jared, I think, went with Demi Moore. Probably is the reason Obviously. for your vote. <laughs> but I had seen it when we did the, uh, you know, the, the, the certifying of sober cinema material for 1996. 
And that was a couple weeks before, so that puts us almost a month ago for me. What you're trying to say is you've forgotten almost everything about it. <laughs> I know what Gordon you're leading Levitt. up to. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's in that, right? Yeah, he does some things. Uh, he almost gets ran over by Baldwin because that's in the trailer, and I watched that again this morning. So anything that happens in a three-minute trailer, I'm you're ready to, to talk go. about, boys. Wait, wait, wait. So I put in the effort to watch this today, you know, through all of my duties of beating children mm-hmm. and cooking for my one-legged wife and, <laughs> and carrying her down the stairs. You know, I'm holding this cell phone and I'm, uh-huh. you know, I'm receiving multiple texts from the Hellcat and I'm <laughs> shrinking my picture even further. I think I had like a like a half inch screen dedicated to uh, the juror and I made it all the way through. And then when I had the opportunity, I would come upstairs and throw it on VLC at 2x speed. So I watched it as the director intended, Mr. Uh, Brian Gibson. So, and you could not uh, bring yourself to do the work to have some recollection of the movies. That's what we're doing here. Well, how dare you? Uh, you know, Brian Gibson. Uh, he directed What's Love Got to Do With It? Um, <laughs> and then this. Has uh, uh, <laughs> even got his picture up on Wikipedia right now? I do. <laughs> yep. Does someone hate this man who passed away in January 2004? <laughs> Why? <laughs> he is dressed in a tuxedo, and he looks like Hyro's been chasing him around trying to <laughs> throw snowballs at <laughs> Like The man looks like he's about to kill. Like, was this his... The day he died and had a heart attack picture. <laughs> he looks a little sauced up here, too. <laughs> it's like Arthur 3 on the rocks or whatever it is. You know, normally I try to find, I've been trying to, uh, you know, make this more interactive, this podcast. And I'll, instead of just putting the Sober Cinema logo, I've tried to put art for each individual episode. I think we found it this time because we need it <laughs> as point of reference. <laughs> But I don't know if it's really a good example of what you get in the movie, uh, which is I don't know. Well, you could you could take a snapshot of the club scene when, uh, mm. like, that was a hard right turn. Mm. I remember this. So, you know, we're we're doing this verdict thing, and then boom, we're in, back in Hellcat territory <laughs> with like nasty, my interest <laughs> naked. Peaked, if you <laughs> if you must okay. be honest, <laughs> naked dudes. Lots so, of uh, flesh, lots of butt cheeks. I was on at that point. <laughs> and Hayes throwing the goods around. Yes. Uh, I, I'm gonna put. It, I'm gonna drop my first clip here. I think because uh, I did remember this sequence. Uh, it reminded me a lot. I guess given the time period, we're doing '96, so this is drifting off of, you know, I guess the peak late '80s, early '90s sort of erotic thrillers. You get a little taste of it, not with Demi Moore because she doesn't, she doesn't fall for Alec Baldwin. They do go on like kind of a quasi date, right? Like, hey, I'm gonna this Alec Baldwin's Yeah, the intro, right? He's posing as well, some sort of art dealer of some sort and buying her stupid sculpture. If you gave me twelve grand for my stupid art, I'd go on a date with him too. I mean, and that's that's me being me, not like me being Jimmy Moore. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also Alec Baldwin too, mm-hmm. dude. Like nineties you know, Alec Baldwin. I won't say peak Alec Baldwin, but this is like the last gasp, right before the descent mm. to what is peak Alec Baldwin then for you? <clears throat> Are you talking about like film or I'm just, I'm assuming like late messages. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I take that back. That's the first clip. (laughs) We'll get back to my, my clip on this note. I don't know. uh, Is that what he called his daughter? Like a fat little piggy or something. That's such an old man thing. Like calling them like women, like cows or pigs or whatever. Like, I think that's the only thing I took away from our Sin City discussion. On Marcus Blade Hyro, I said that I liked that yellow bastard because he called Jessica Alba a fat cow. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. 
I'm a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) You enjoy calling very visibly, obviously, fit women a fat cow. Uh, I think it's only fair. It's it's offensive if you go the other way, Jared, if they actually are fat cows. Um, Ironic. I get it. So the clip I wanted to drop here, this this whole section, if I still did chapters, I only did that once, I think. Uh, I did that once on Sober Cinema when Dave was the only person on, and I felt like I needed to do chapters so you could know when to skip ahead. Uh, you know, back and forth. Dave rambles on and on, and then it goes back to me. But this chapter would be, man, in these type of thrillers, uh, the villain will have sex with a woman and then kill her immediately. There, There is still... Um, to shout out to Tangible Teddy, there's still the drizzle effect going on, presumably. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's not just blow by this. The drizzle effect. We get, we... we have a friend who's a, uh, I would like for him to be a co-host, but I guess a, you know, Adam a frequent guest on The Grand Gesture. I would like him to be a co-host. I have sent you my feedback. Well, he's, Give that guy the ball. He's, well, he can only have the ball for so long before he gets tired uh, <laughs> and the drizzle sets in. Uh he made the mistake of telling a story to my proper co-host on the Grand Gesture, Derek, uh, who then, as soon as we got together for like a fancy draft and had Teddy in front of us, Derek said, hey, why don't you tell him that awesome story of you in the shower and your wife walking in on you? Now, before it gets too explicit, uh, the wife didn't catch him uh, during the heist this is more like a heat type situation where Teddy got shot on the sidewalk exiting the building. And the reason being is this fucking idiot uh, who won't agree to co-host a podcast with me. And if he listens to this, he definitely will not. Doesn't understand the, the art. If you want to call it the art, maybe it's just the science of masturbation in the shower is that gravity and you know the, the, the water streaming out of the faucet is your co-conspirator in the cover-up process, <laughs> in the cleanup, if you will. <laughs> and somehow this man, with his uh, magic semen, was able to literally dance through the raindrops and keep all of that <laughs> just on his body, so that when he does, he have like low water pressure or something. <laughs> like he's got like, the, the, like limp fucking water pressure coming out. Like, what is he doing? I uh, I don't know what he was doing, but he. Flings back the curtain to d- display the crime itself. All over what his- is that? <laughs> Wait, on his ass? No, said, what is that? His wife said. <laughs> oh, I thought you said it was on his ass. I'm like, Teddy's okay. A real freak. Now we're going to get into some- Teddy's a freak. <laughs> some physics here. <laughs> I need a full diagram. Like, the fuck is a pruder tape here? Well, there's a good reason you want to, you know, keeping with the narrative that you want to look at. Uh, bare-chested boys and i think <laughs> tangible teddy can provide that that's a <laughs> wow anyway i was trying to talk about the juror here and uh a clip i found I, I go to youtube and say reviews from 1996 and i find my my ebert siskel and ebert at the movies thing i love those uh anyway because they i found them to be far more hateful than any of us even though hyro hated this experience jared did you hate watching this film I was kind of um, neutral about it up until the last 20 minutes, and then I fucking loved it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm in the same boat. So, they, especially Siskel, tends to go off on things that really, yeah, he would have been primed for Twitter. Like, mm. things that are meant to just be, like, forgotten. Like, eh, didn't really care for that. 
he will just go on a fucking tear about how this is uh, changing the entire discourse of gender in our society. Films like this. And I'm oh, like, oh, God. I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I think I'm going to have a hard time getting anyone to even listen to this podcast on this. I, I've seen the numbers for Better Roses. <laughs> People said no thanks. <laughs> All credit to Nasty Hellcat from Dust Till Dawn. We did like triple our normal numbers for that. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah, well, our audience knows us. You uh, knows be knowledgeable what we can do. Of what you're the movie doesn't wind the tension up very tightly, and it goes on far too long, spinning the plot out with long-winded dialogue and an unnecessary, to say the least, side trip to Guatemala. So, thumbs down from me. Thumbs down from me, and I think both films are junk, Roger. Okay. Now, let me tell you what I think is really going on. I think that this is just another case of showing a pretty woman in danger, and, and it's a little bit on the sick side. I'm really tired of this. I don't think this is a strong woman's character. No, no. No, come on. This is a beautiful woman, Demi Moore, one of the most beautiful women in films today, and she is being hunted and spied upon and eavesdropped on, and she's under constant threat. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you that there is a meanness to these kinds of stories. Oh, well, Jane, I really do think so, Roger. You know, the most unsavory scene in the entire movie involves her friend, the woman oh, doctor. This, this now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know. And Alec Baldwin... I was going to get to that. First, he makes love to her, then he forces her to kill herself. Yeah. That, I, 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 I looked at yeah. it, I thought, was it really necessary and when they had you know the script what? conference? And, and Roger, was it really necessary okay. to have this scene in the movie? I, what did it okay. contribute? Now, let me tell you something. And you know what her sin is? Her sin is that she's a professional woman. And you know how often prof she's a doctor, mm -hmm. okay? She's the most accomplished. She's a, probably a better doctor than Demi Moore is a sculptor, if you okay. really want to get okay. into it. And, and professional women in the movies are either harpies, unsatisfied with love, or they're killed. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, we have not progressed in the last 20 or 30 years in movie making. We're still getting, for all the, the women involved in film, and there are many more, the stars are still selecting junk. And, and I, I blame Demi Moore for it. I'm sorry. Okay. Because she doesn't have to make this kind of film. She can make a lot of other kinds of projects. His point was the same one that I, I did kind of have in my mind as far as like, oh, that was a trope of, and this may have been the, the last gasp of it, much like, you know, Alec Baldwin was a sex symbol. And that Cape Fear, Hiro, De Niro finds someone who's attached to the family, has sex with them, and uses that attack to get at the family in some way. Now there's not a murder in that one, but it's a pointed shot at Nick Nolte and company of like, I'm getting right. closer to you. Uh, this one, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's hard to, you're getting into the weeds on sexual assault or murder. there, uh, both crimes that you should go to prison for life for. But was this even necessary? Was, was, <laughs> was Anne Heche about to blow this wide open, this, this uh, trial that was fixed because it seemed like Alec Baldwin is just making more work for himself and also causing this woman that he's trying to uh, impose his will on to eventually like a feral animal, have her back so far against the wall that she has nothing, no other option, but to lash out at him. And I felt like the, the murder of Anne Hayshire was the, all right, that's a, uh, that's probably a bit too far. Uh, mobster hitman maybe maybe just have sex with her and then have a few harsh words with her and then go about your business be a gentleman i can support that i mean from a film perspective it's clearly gratuitous right it's just give us the goods from uh i don't i never understood his motivation to begin with he's just so fucking upset like the by that point the trial is over she did the impossible they got the acquittal but we're still taking Anna Hayes to pound town and killing her. Why? I, I don't understand. And 
like you said, put her back against the wall and get the uh, Guatemalan goon squad apparently, you know, banded together for this assassination. Do you either one of you buy into why his weird romantic infatuation with Demi Moore? I understand being attracted to her as far as he's a, a mobster that's given an assignment and oh, lucky me. I get to, you know, take out Demi Moore and terrorize her for a little bit, me and her presence. But it, it, I, I actually kind of enjoyed the scenes where the other gangsters are like, dude, like, stop fucking leading with your boner here. Like, she's not, <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to marry Demi Moore, this woman that you have, you know, twisted her arm to mm. commit a crime. And the hitman and her are going to live happily ever after. But Alec Baldwin's character here is like a grand gesture romantic idiot. When it comes to Demi Moore, like he is completely pussy whipped as soon as he lays eyes on her. And my favorite character, Jared, this won't surprise you. I assume it's your favorite character just because it's James Gandolfini. That was right. part of your reason to go against White Squall. Mm-hmm. As you have this totally put upon, I guess, other gangster in his his office. It's like, God damn, dude. Like, <laughs> just, just settle down. Like, you have never looked at a beautiful woman before. And it just, like, he is totally middle management where James Gandolfini is just having to try to hold the line here and keep all the balls in the air and is trying to operate in a strange way, like a professional, a professional criminal, but it's just trying to do things, the wrong things, the right way. I enjoyed that dynamic between him and Alec Baldwin, who is just a complete psychopath in this movie. Yeah. They, <clears throat> they try to do their due diligence on making him sound like an absolute psycho anyway. I mean, you got characters actually saying that to him you've you know you had no friends nobody even likes you you're a fucking freak like <laughs> yeah, again, that. On the, well okay on that note what is with people who, who keep talking shit to people who could do harm to them like what what is the uh the end game there i understand that in that sequence it's coming from a like a, a mafia prince who's gonna inherit all of this and he can't wait to throw his weight around but i'm still like if you genuinely think he is a psychopath you know, why, why, why ease up on the sass? Why a little put bit. your name in his little book of crazy <laughs> shit? That, you know, he's <laughs> putting lipstick on it, <laughs> cleaning his rifle. <laughs> you, you may find yourself, uh, you know, gangster number two being taken to this male strip club with asses in your face and him shoving pills down your, your gullet. And God knows what's happening in the next scene. So I don't know, just a, a little, a little reticence is all I was That's... asking for here. That's some real commitment. On the other hand, the, 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 the excess of the characters is about the only thing that makes it enjoyable for me. It's just how over the top these uh, the, the goon squad is. You tickled me. Uh, the, the willingness to become bisexual, even though he's not. <laughs> even though he's not that orientation. I don't put it past. Wind you and dine you. <laughs> Give you a suppository that kills you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Was that like that that whole uh, male review club? Like f- to that moment, you never un- know that he is messing with uh, Anne Hayes on the side, right? Like you, it's, she says something. It's like Brian Gibson was given this in post. Like, hey man, we need to spruce this up a little bit by the powers that be. Like the big fat boss hog looking dude at the table of the studios, like sex it up a mm. little bit. So they come back for reshoots. You open up the fucking club. Take the shirts off of the big buff African American dudes. Let's do this. I took it the other way. I actually believed in the the reality of the choice. Uh, I brought up Cape Fears. So I'm just going to continue to bring up better Robert De Niro movies. But one of my favorite uh, <laughs> dates in film is when the taxi driver takes Sybil Shepherd 
<laughs> to the movies and goes to an adult theater to watch porn. And then play, yes, sir. he plays it completely, uh, in this case, straight, like, you know, from a comedic standpoint, when they come out, it's like, what? You go in the movies. It's a movie. What's wrong? What's wrong? What did I do something like he plays it so dumb, much like the great tangible Teddy coming out of the shower. It's like, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> nothing, nothing happened here. Fucking a squid hanging from his leg. <laughs> Walks out with smoke coming out of the gun. I didn't shoot nothing. <laughs> but the thing is, I could see Alec Baldwin playing it the same way, right? Like, because he, Anne Heche, subtle. While it's very like shocking when it, when it happens, Anne Heche has been giving us the hints the whole way. You know, when they're celebrating the sale of paint, painting, you know, she's like grabbing on Demi Moore in the bed. I I thought we were gonna go, mm. you know, a little Black Swan action mm. here for a little bit. I was fingers were crossed. I was like, I'm gonna thank Michael for forcing me to watch this crap. But nope. Do you ever think that maybe that was just Anne Heche, the person calling an audible in that sequence, just getting? Hey man, I'll never be this close to be more again. You I'm said to pile it around. Get handfuls. <laughs> <laughs> you said to play a little grab ass. I don't know what the director told me to do. <laughs> and hey, she's trying to justify what? <laughs> Just you know, trying to make it artistic here. You said make it believable. I figured that's how Jared would be if he was ever on a movie set. You know what I mean? Like trying to. But I do wrong. Use that position. <laughs> <laughs> what? Full erection. God, it is interesting that. <laughs> A movie, Demi Moore, Alec Baldwin, which this is, uh, I would say this is peak Demi Moore. Uh, Hiro might go with Ghost with that atrocious haircut that he, he loves so much. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> it is a pretty bad haircut. Not well, I, Jane, I mean, but... I, I was more a G.I. Jane haircut type of guy. Yeah, you you going full tilt there. Um, but it's just interesting that... Lean into it. Not just us. I'm not putting us in their company. Uh, even though I think we're being a little bit more reasonable than Siskel was on that little clip. But they pretty much dominated their conversation with the Anne Heche character as well. And I think it's because... They're horny. Well, yeah, but you have Demi Moore. But <laughs> this is not playing to Demi Moore's attributes, as Anne Heche Strings. tried to implore Brian Gibson on set. Uh, because she is not uh, what I would say is a dynamic performer as far as what she gives you and her emotions. And she is just playing a uh, stick in the mud here for the most part. She's just reacting to this complete nut job until she is forced. She strike me as artistic. <laughs> forced to fly to Guatemala for her big, <laughs> her ultimate uh, plan that she's got in her back pocket. Uh, I was trying to think, uh, Hiro, like who, maybe from this time period or someone else that could play basically terrorized victim and make it engaging in any way. Because I, I don't think Demi Moore is successful here. As beautiful as she is. I, you got me here. Um, I'm trying to like, think. think of the, what are some of the best, I guess, women in peril movies? And they're, they're actually like the, the lead character is watchable as opposed to just purely being uh, a victim of, you know, uh, a crazy and nasty shit. You know, I was kind of partial to those like Ashley Judd and, uh, and um, the voice, um, what's his name? <laughs> Red from Shawshank. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, the, the voice. voice. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I was really partial to like, like Kiss the Girls and Along Came the Spider and okay. those sort of things. So what is it Whatever. about uh, Ashley Judd? Because she did have a sort of late 90s 
uh, top billing as far as what an Ashley Judd joint was, a woman being chased, a woman being taxed, crazy killer after her. What is it that she did that yeah. I think Demi Moore is not doing here? I just want to get mixed up with that bitch. Because she got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. This is where you drop the Al Pacino in heat yelling that she's got a great ass and that, that sort of thing. This is where editor Mike. I, I will drop that and then you don't even have to answer the question. We'll just allow Al Pacino to answer it. <laughs> exactly. He can answer for me. <laughs> oh, God. I do want to put on the record, we are going to get to striptease, so we will oh. probably feel the same way about Miss Moore as far as those attributes later on. But, <clears throat> I think well, like I mean. June. It's going to be a long year of me trying to, uh... <laughs> when I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. Hold myself. <laughs> well, just make sure you clean up after yourself in the shower, for God's sake. Just use a little yep. water and some I say a room full soap. of towels, and he walks out with that. <laughs> I'm sure his wife said the same thing. <laughs> She's just mad because the bathtub's messed up. <laughs> Lesson learned. Make sure your water pressure is uh, is correct. I did have some notes on this one. Um, Hiro, I do want to point out that uh, White Squall was the third wide release that weekend, and it made uh, just uh, about half, less than half of what the juror made. Is this uh, your justification here? No, not totally, because the juror also made uh, about $10 million less than Black Sheep with Chris Farley and David Spade. Mm. So I'm clearly not going with what the populace wanted uh, in February, early February, 1996, but I did have some notes. Okay. Jared, you keep bringing mm -hmm. up the sculptures. <clears throat> did you like the Alec Baldwin before he even meets this woman uh, is fingering all of her shit and like going nuts about it. <laughs> well, James Gandolfini has to, no, 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 Mike, has to listen. you've got to, you got to edit You got to lead him in properly. He specifically says, I'm going to put my hand up into your box and feel around. Do you have any more art like this in the house that I can put That's my hand into your box? Very smooth. <laughs> that is human flesh. Do you have anything like that? <laughs> now, Hellcat, did you like that art? Yeah, I do that. I kind of play some games with myself. I hide my flashlight, you know, across the house. And <laughs> <laughs> What's this I found? <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that's all a right. point for the movie then jared understands where alec baldwin's coming from do you believe jared that mm -hmm. alec baldwin would demand to be called the teacher during sex oh my god i guess with this guy's demented point of view sure but like it... <clears throat> do you feel like he gave himself that name is he one Probably. of those guys that gives himself his own nickname gives himself the own nickname i want to be called like kobe teacher. bryant like he Call me Black Mamba. Uh, are we allowed to talk shit about Kobe Bryant? Wasn't it just yeah, the anniversary touch, of his passing? I'm not touching that one. Not, uh, <laughs> could have picked so many different. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to speak ill of the dead. Here we go. But, but for many years. <laughs> but here I go. No, but for many years, I always had an issue with, with him giving himself a nickname. Like, you know, Alan Iverson was the answer. And all these nicknames that kind of organically grow. But he's like, I gotta have one. Give it to me. It was just a very, it seemed so disingenuous. And then Black Mamba, of all things. I don't know. Wasn't he like Ocho before that? Wasn't that like the sports thing when he had the eight number? I felt like that's what he was being called. But maybe you can blame Chad Johnson for that. Another guy who gave himself 
his own nickname and uh, Kobe Bryant. He did it right though. He like legally changed oh, okay. his name so to that or that something like that. Yeah. No half measures when it comes to giving yourself a nickname. So if Alec Baldwin was actually named the teacher here, that's what he was known as. Like nasty Hellcat. That's organic. <laughs> I can't just get Jared to actually adopt that on social media though. I've sent him screenshots. I'm sure you've done the same high row as far as hey, it's available, nasty Hellcat, and you don't you don't want to embrace it. <clears throat> I'm old and I'm bald, and my name is Dotson. That's <laughs> what I've had I mean, for like ten years. I understand the uh, practical <laughs> reasoning there, but I like to get it I'm out in the open it. of what I am before I engage with somebody. He's old and he's bald. I don't think you're actually getting so out in the open. Tread carefully. <laughs> I think Nasty Hellcat is <laughs> if they're if they're going to stumble into your house and sit on a flashlight. And the couch cushions. That's more well, of what they should expect. That's instantaneously yeah, they should be ready. because you do not treat a valued family member in such a way. I have a question for Hiro now. Okay. You've already expressed hatred of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, which I think all kids in thrillers are bad. We did the, uh, the River Wild uh, about a month ago, and you really hated that child. You basically said they put his parents in peril constantly. Yes, he did. <laughs> So, do you think if this released today, or if there's anyone other than us that gave a shit about it, would the accusation be made on Twitter that Joseph Gordon-Levitt appropriates Guatemalan culture for his own means? <laughs> Shout out to well, uh, at darn that Dave, who probably has already <laughs> made this accusation on his, on his feet. <laughs> So he shows up to Guatemala. He instantly puts on like the garb, yep, and like a headband. He kind of, you know, he looks like he looks like a Treu from the Neverending Story. All of a sudden, and he's dancing around, and he's trying to fit in with a little. You know what he was missing was like a 2012 Patriots Super Bowl championship shirt. Oh, That's what he was missing. Getting personal. That is a. Uh, <laughs> that is insulting, but also hilarious too. That is, <laughs> I will I'll accept it as an attack on. <laughs> I guess American culture disposing of things. It's like, this is useless to us. <laughs> Clothe these countries with falsehoods. Yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I may have seen one or two children in, uh, in my trips during Peru <laughs> wearing like lost championship shirts. And you uh, didn't take a selfie with them. It's because they weren't bare chested, presumably. Well, no, if you take a, you don't want to take a picture. You got to cover up the evidence. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, shout out to Dave on that one. <laughs> I have a question for you, Michael. Okay. So you know our our uh, our heroine somehow flies to Guatemala really quick. Like we go from so there's like a good four, five, six, seven hour mm -hmm. gap between the running around the house, the violence to flying to Guatemala. Um, how, why are the villagers in masks hiding in the nooks and crannies of, of this temple ready for her attack when she just arrived? Like the logistics of all mm. of that. It's to me more. That's the answer. She shows up. The villagers are like, Let's bow to White her. goddess shows up from the, from the heavens, from her you know, private jet to Guatemala, and they understand that this is some Big look, fake boobs are. <laughs> everyone, everyone here, other than uh, James Gandolfini, is like completely enraptured by her, and he's like the only one. Strange is to say, that's like 
all business and like courteous, like let's just get through this with her. But everyone else that seems to come in contact with her, even as you said, Anne Heche playing <laughs> playing grab ass on set to me more. <laughs> you know, director, I think it would really help if I took a couple of fistfuls of this. Really show the passion of the scene. She's up there selling it. I, I, I think that's the case here. I did have it's one of those things where in the in the clip with uh Siskel and Ebert, they're like, Oh, horrendous. Like, you know, I think even Ebert says, It's all right until we get to this extended trip to another country that's just so so silly. And I'm I'm thinking it's all fine with me. I'm fine with somehow this final duel with the teacher and Demi Moore happening in this temple. Uh a film that for the most part uses another country as a place that we Americans go hide from our mistakes. <laughs> and then we bring the mistakes to that country and expect them to help us out just by our mere presence. Very meta. I was all for it. That sounds great. <laughs> Maybe she came bearing the gift of t-shirts. Who who would have been the, the Super Bowl loser? There's a little bit of trivia. We were recording this and releasing it uh, the week leading up to the Super Bowl. So who was the current uh, Guatemalan Super Bowl champion at that time? So in 1996, Dallas beat Pittsburgh. So the Steelers. Well, you would think, yeah, it'd be the Steelers uh, t-shirt. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of those laying around. I think that's deserved. Um, I, I kind of halfway enjoy this. I would say this is right down the middle, maybe a little bit under because there's elements of crazy here that they could have even pushed it further for my liking. But I think they're they're attempting to appeal to a somewhat regular audience that is not as enthused as we are of the mask wearing Pittsburgh Steeler wearing <laughs> Guatemalan <laughs> defense team that to me more puts together. And then they bow to her. You notice that they bow to Jared, her after you see an issue? she shoots no, them in the face. No. I said she starts swinging those things around, I'll fucking bow to her as well. <laughs> Uh, Jared uh, she didn't have him yet. again has only agreed to this 1996 conceit one because mm-hmm. it makes film selection easier and two because striptease is coming, is coming. on the calendar <laughs> can't wait Wednesday, and once again, I made an ass of myself. 